Welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Yes. And today we have uh, Dr. Ranjana Kaul, who's come to Kerala to the space conclave here, uh, all the way from Delhi. And uh, she is uh, a good friend of mine for a long time, and we have had a lot of conversations on space policy and law and you know uh, how companies can grow in India and how we can make India into a very big space power, which is inclusive of everyone here. So... In this episode of the New Space India podcast, let's uh, talk about a little bit more about the current affairs in space policy in India and, you know, the the draft legislation, the space policy and why, how it affects entrepreneurs and why we need it and so on. So uh, to begin with, just describe what is the difference between a law and a policy with respect to space and what do we have today? So, uh, irrespective of space, the difference between law and policy is this, that the law is something which is the inspiration or the driving force of which is the government. And it imagines and sets out its objectives for the sector, let's say space, and it says that, all right, this is going to be my trajectory for the next 20 years, 30 years, depending on the sector. So space is a long term, it ought to be. And this is what India should achieve. Now, if that is my goal, and I'm standing here 20 years before that goal, what are the building blocks that my country needs to have to be enabled to be able to achieve those goals? And so it, it is obviously a uh, gamut of skills, training, human resource, what is the logistics that it needs, does it need factories, does it need any special kind of education that will enable that post to be skilled for the purpose. All of these, finance, all of these and many more things will go into the building of the roadmap. Now once you've got a roadmap which is a policy, ideally, you should have a roadmap on implementing that policy. How am I going to do it? Now, we've got that together. N clearly, it must be regulated. What are the kinds of regulations such that they're user-friendly and they're balanced? Balanced such that government can keep control and exercise that control as and how required. There is a, a monitoring of that activity without getting uh, insidious uh, and penalties of the kind that scare people away and they're not going to come and have a regulation that actually does not distort market. These are the principles and more, again, which will make that policy. The regulations are the outcome of that policy and that regulation for it to give an actionable right to the individual or the entity that is going to be engaged in this is the law. And this is made by the parliament. That is the difference. So when you talk about uh, space policy, for example, in India, let's uh, talk a little bit about the history of space policy in India itself. Um, so give us a brief history of what was the first bits of policy in India that was formed which was related to space and how it has taken shape over the last no, 10 or 20 years now. So look, I don't think there was a policy because the central government never did write a policy. 
but because the department of space is the department who is charged with the responsibility of structuring creating and generating our space program they have a mandate which is given under the uh, allocation of business rules up until the time that india was a command economy nobody really knew anything about you know space department what it was doing and it was busy doing its national missions and whatever was the requirement of the government or it had decided it is only when there was partial deregulation that and that too after some time had rolled in specific context to the telecom sector that in 1999 there was a revision uh, amendment to the you had the new telecom policy in which one paragraph said that satellite telecommunication will be enabled and that thereafter the isro our department of space issued a set of guidelines on how that would be enabled and they said that um, private space uh, satellite systems should be permitted all these were guidelines issued by the department that is what we construe as our satellite communications policy which in fact it is not they also straight away around that time in the foreign direct investment policy said that 74% foreign direct investment would be allowed in setting up satellite um, private satellite systems nobody was ever given a license i do not know the reason i have asked i have got multiple replies so somewhere in between this is the truth the short point is that nobody was given a license but the kn the ku band and so on that is where this whole story of insat started there was also the notion that at this point in time we don't have enough insat so let us borrow transponders until such time as we have enough insat that moment has never come and admittedly there are 85% of our trans percent transponders are serviced on foreign satellites then you had google earth entering our lives and consequently you had the government of india saying that you know we've got also spatial information otherwise all of us were used to the survey of india and the atlases that we all had if you'll remember it says survey of india right so now you had the story of uh, maps and of images and they would not allow you could get it on google on tap in anonymity you could do what you want with it but the government of india was not minded to make it available to its citizens even though it was available for export somebody outside could take it as we went along we got gps in our lives so then came the gagan first and foremost the geo augmentation satellite which took the longest time for it to get commissioned uh, not because the space department uh, uh, sort of slept on the wheel but it was the aviation that ministry simply not getting up to speed the department has paid it got a job done all up and ready but for it to be utilized was a different matter and then you got the irnss so this is how gradually we were introduced to our own assets in these uh, but we as yet do not have a policy on satellite navigation we are aware that some part will be strategic and some will be commercial and some will be perhaps of open use but what is the percentage and how are we going to do it we don't know as yet the map policy well we've had one that was survey of india policy then we have one which is a uh, notification issued by the government of india back in 62 or so 
to say that we cannot export maps. And then you have uh, the spatial uh, satellite image, uh, that policy. And the long and short of the story is that it is difficult to access India's own uh, map repositories. It is very, very difficult, and people just simply prefer to go to Google or some other source. Why we are not able to do it, I do not know. The Bhuvan is so tedious, you have to be a member, or, or registered on it, you have to be either a government entity or doing a project connected with government or in some manner connected to government. I don't know, maybe the citizens are a security threat. They will do something with this which uh, they ought not to be doing. I really don't know what the reason is. And then you have telecommunications. You have now a digital communication policy in place. But the Ministry of Telecom, the Department of Telecom, has to put its regulations in place. If that does not happen, you have young people coming. I'm personally advising a couple of them who have come with incredible technology. It's a convergence technology. But I don't know how to advise him on whether he can or cannot manufacture the product here in India. And you have this enormous program which says make in India. So the dots are not connected, and that is the tragedy. That is where we are today. We still don't have a national space policy. What are the main facets of a national space policy that can you know, create everything as a foundation for many of these people to be successful? Look, first and foremost is for government to reach the conclusion that there is a nascent and growing new space um, set of companies that has arisen so motto. Nobody's helped them to do it, they've just done it. And why have they done it? Because this talent and this ed educated pool of people happen to be here in India and they're Indians coming out of our universities. The principal one is here in Trivandrum, the uh, Indian Institute of Space Science and Technology, which was promoted by the Department of Space itself. But where you have a situation that um, the rate of attrition, let's say, in the Department of Space is not as much, or there aren't that many vacancies, there are young people educated, highly primed to those sectors who are coming out, they need the jobs. And so, while many must have got jobs in big companies, others just simply said that, no, we've got to do this on our own. How can it be possible at all? I'm, I'm absolutely baffled. How can it be possible that after 10 years of all of you, and you're amongst the earliest ones, NP, that government does not feel that this is the driver for the economy, the entire world has reached this conclusion? You people are being wooed by every country other than your own. And you, many of you, including yourself, have packed your bags and gone there. But your heart lies here, and you're back here every now and then. It must tell you some story. That's the way. Uh, so because of the lack of regulations, as you rightly pointed out, uh, say, for example, when you mentioned uh, considering the bandwidth itself, uh, say, for example, this is defined as used for strategic purposes and this uh, could be licensed and used uh, for your own technology itself. So just because of the lack of that, how much of the output that could be possibly delivered is obstructed in your opinion? I mean, how much of a change are we talking about? I can't give you numbers, 
but the fact that you have the irnss up and running and its signals i think are uh, working and they're doing some testing and they may be testing but it is not the case that if i announce it today that tomorrow you will be up and running with your business it takes time just as much as it's taking government time to test it and be sure that all those signals are fine and they're working out how and how much to allow for free and how much for civil use and so on and so forth you have to give some policy indication to the economy to the participants of economy economy is not an abstract it contains humans who are engaged in economic activity that is the thing you have for example this whole gps gps enabled look at the difference in the logistic sector today trucks all have these trackers and now you know where your truck is and how long it's going to take it's cut down the time reaching the ports we want to use that same signal for ourselves right navigation and then it has to be linked to our maps government wants to deliver you services online government services your birth certificate your property taxes are being paid online your income tax you pay online all of these things does it not need the geographical location of the person who is to pay the house number the gali number the name of the road whatever it may be you do i don't know i mean digital india is a brilliant uh, program but how will it all come together if all the dots are not connected all of this is predicated on people like you who are part of that new space somebody is doing artificial intelligence somebody is wanting to build a satellite somebody wants to bring the technology somebody wants to do avionics these are not bubbles existing by themselves in isolation this is all together the government must act on this we need a policy so uh, given your emphasis on the topic itself it is very apparent that having regulations on uh, such kind of uh, space law itself is so much important so uh, this only goes to uh, this triggers a question in my mind if it were that important why do you think i mean i i guess it's already too late now uh, guessing on what you're actually saying for india to actually begin uh, uh, creating it creating new procedures and all that why do you think emphasis was not given on space law itself until now look i would not advocate a space law unless you have a space policy and i'll tell you why this whole narrative of space law came about is because way back when i uh, uh, sort of entered into this and for the first time said anything at all um we said well we need a space law in india and uh, what is that space law go- uh, going to do well firstly you need private participation and then it must have uh, a license and it must say what you can do and it needs insurance and liability and third party liability and so on so forth so forth so forth and everybody picked up on that narrative and said you need a space law that's the only way private sector can anyway over the years i have thought greatly about this whole thing and i have reached the conclusion that first things first what you need is a national space policy and i mean a national space policy of course the space commission and department of space and isr and other constituents will have to have a significant input to give but a sp- the space policy and space sector does not operate in its own silo it connects every aspect of life which is admitted we keep saying spaces in our life from banking to whatever then you ask the bankers you ask the school teachers you ask the b- bus drivers the dtc bus or whatever is your public transport ask everybody 
every department, every ministry that how do you use it? Because each has a unique requirement. And all those dots when they are connected, then you will understand what is the space policy for the country and how should we escalate it, how should we grow it step by step till you reach that objective you need. That is it. So normally, you know, the countries that want to form space policy or, you know, any sort of policies, uh, there is always an exercise of uh, collecting data and information yes. which you said. Yes. And um, that's the funny thing about India, I think, um, that there is no open data that is available that estimates the size of India's space economy. No, and you're right. Uh, the whole idea of how much space contributes to India's GDP or even how much uh, is invested in the space program and what is the return to the citizen directly in terms of investment. So, NP, in India, the concept of taxpayers' money is, this is a phrase that is lately entering into people's speech. It simply didn't exist. Consolidated Fund of India, full stop. Government ke khate se paise jayega. That it is your taxes and mine, nobody really actively thought about it. So it was not uh, a situation of consumer awareness in that sense, right? Now the point is, how much has been spent on the space program, you will know from the planning commission and all of, all of that how it has been spent and what has been the leakages, if any, or the delays or whatever it is, all that also you will know. But for whatever it is that has been done, there will have to be some impact downstream because of which some greater economic benefit accrued to the economy, maybe greater taxes or something like that. And in those verticals, I imagine if you uh, mined old data on this, you might be able to get something. But starting from here, if you look at um, how did our economy change with GPS coming and location-based services coming into the market? Something has changed. H how has it, our economy changed after internet was available to all of us? Something has changed. What happened after mobile phones came? How have people upgraded uh, their economic prospects and their mobility? and all of that, it would not be easy. You may not get absolutely clear and absolute term number data, but you will know the trends of how not only has it enhanced economy, or I mean economic uh, wherewithal of a family, an individual, but also his lifestyle, his entire lifestyle and attitude to life. That is also required to be measured because that is going to give you an indication of the felt need for the future. So it's possible to do that. So I'm going to talk about some examples so that it's very concrete on different use cases. So in that, uh, you know, the audience can actually get a more, you know, improvised uh, understanding of the kind of business. So I'm going to talk about a kind of business, and then you you can talk about what are the policies that affect yes. them and uh, you know how it uh, governs. So let's say case one, I am. Um, an entrepreneur who is planning to build uh, satellites that carry cameras. So I can image uh, you know, parts of any part of the world and distribute this imagery. So if I am this entrepreneur uh, trying to build such a satellite which is able to uh, image, uh, 
what are the policies that affect me and does it uh, do we have those in place in india so at this present point in time private sector is not involved in any manner of space and when i say space i'm talking of 100 kilometers over outer space so we do not have any private satellites we don't have telecommunication satellites we definitely do not have remote sensing satellites in fact we don't have any all of them are government owned so if you want to build a satellite you can build a satellite i don't think that should be a problem per se but now you want to build a satellite that's capable of imaging that also you can build not nobody is going to stop you but can you put it up in space that's another matter given the fact that space is not open to the private sector to conduct activities in outer space under the indian laws today you can't do it from here so is there a prohibition that is written somewhere or is it just ambiguity no, it, it it just happens to exist in india the interpretation of law is that unless you can show me a law that tells you that you can do this it means that you cannot do it okay so it's mostly the other way around from most countries no it what it is that in international law the interpretation is that unless there is a specific prohibition it means that you can do it yeah in india our courts interpreted differently they say show me the authority okay so that is one part of the business of course um, uh, what happens if uh, let's say i have to acquire certain uh, camera data or image data and uh, you know is there uh, is there any policies that hold in place as for acquiring this data and processing it and distributing it well of course the country has a map policy and it has a spatial uh, image distribution policy that indicates what is the uh, resolution which is available and you are required to go through the proper through proper procedure to the national map uh national remote sensing what is it called national uh, the remote sensing remote data sensing policy remote sensing data no yeah. no no uh, remote sensing national map policy is uh, it not the policy but the entity that gives it to you it's escaped me oh, the national remote sensing center yes so you have to make application there yeah. like i said that for you to get data you have to give them all the details of it you have to pay them in advance they will vet it and if you want it at a resolution better than what they are prepared to give it then they may or may not give it but it will take you a very long time i must tell you on this point that there was once a writ petition that had been filed by a company which was dealing in this location based service and needed to access uh, data from the national remote sensing center and they had made and it's 6 months and 7 months i mean you know there is there is a cost transaction cost opportunity cost to business now this is not something that any government entity at all factors in because it's not its money there's nothing like a rate of return here right the question that you asked me and so they filed a writ i happened to be in bangalore and i happened to meet a particular person who was uh, directly into the uh, involved with it. and i said that you know i just got a look at this text message it says that there's a writ that's been filed and he said <laughs> so it's also a attitude not only of this but of the government in general because it's a monolith one individual is filing a case against the government fine the government has perpetual existence you and i don't yeah so the third case for example is uh, if i want to offer internet 
yes. using space uh, today over India. Uh, you know, I build the satellite. I have to have access to the frequencies, and I have to have the access to also, you know, have terminals on the ground to to set up, uh, you know, to operate and then to coordinate, have gateways and things like that. So we have none of this also in place, right? No, no, no. What you don't have in place just now is for you to be able to s launch your private satellite. Mm -hmm. That is not allowed. But you want to offer internet? Sure. Go to Department of Telecom. You become an internet service provider. There are rules and regulations pertaining to that. You fulfill all those conditions, give them the details you want, and become an ISP. No, but this is an ISP through satellites. ISP through satellite, firstly, then you will have to tell ISRO to build you a satellite of this nature. Yeah. But no, if, I, if you say, if somebody says, I will build the... No, but they, they will not allow the launch of that satellite. Okay. That particular kind of satellite, yeah. unless that policy, that communi satellite communication policy, unless that allows yeah. for internet through satellite, they will not let you launch it. So uh, what happens to the companies uh, in India who are planning to launch or have already launched satellites and... Uh, from India? Yeah, as in Indian companies, for example, you know, uh, Exceed Space launched its satellite. Well, it's launched its satellite. It bought a uh, share on the PSLV and it was got launched. Now, what does it plan to do? What is the service it wants to offer? Yeah. I suppose that he must have uh, got the regulations and uh, permissions in place because he cannot give those services otherwise. The frequencies that land on India have to land here in India on the ground station, which is an approved ground station. Yeah, so there's uh, also the other bits of, uh, you know, having the ability to export any services or anything there. So I don't, do we have any uh, laws that allow people to even, let's say, if I cannot build a satellite and launch from uh, here, or, you know, I'm not allowed to put... I had once got a query from a very big uh, communication, I mean, mobile company, to say that, look, we have asked for capacity, uh, now, this is taking very long, and we have no idea how long it will take for us to be. Can we ask X company in Europe to build this satellite for us? Uh, because, you know, it takes two to three years to build a satellite of the kind they wanted. Uh, and the contract will say that if in the event that within those three years we get it, that, we, that money shall be returned and so on. So I said, don't even think about doing it. Because this is the way in which we look at our law. If I have not told you that you can do it, it means that you cannot do it. So the other way of doing it is you please write a letter and say, can I do this? And you'll either not hear from them or they'll say no. So don't skate on thin ice. Is there a need for a structural uh, change in the way institutions are uh, you know, put in place today to have everything set? I believe that there has to be regulatory, procedural, and institution, all in sync with each other. These institutions cannot be made up of people who are not conversant and not comfortable, not confident. I mean, we are all hum humans. You never dealt with this. You were a little anxious about what it means and where it will take you. You need new institutions. You need people who are trained to be manning those institutions. 
and you need regulations that can be delivered in a balanced way. The aim of the exercise is that while government wants to earn revenue, it cannot earn revenue through taxes unless you allow me to get business that makes me pay more tax. So if you're going to you know, miss the trees for the woods, so to speak, then that's fine. I'm, I always say this about this 18% GST on launches for an Indian company to launch. You allow that Indian company to launch, it is without the GST, it is going to earn wealth over here, it's going to pay you more tax. It goes into the consolidated fund. How can, how can there be a myopic uh, view to these matters? And you chase exports, what is commercialization? At the moment, it is all about exporting, I meaning launches for foreign uh, entities, including our own who go outside and come back. But your own, you will not allow. You will have a barrier. Yeah. What about companies that want to build their own launch vehicles? Well, uh, good luck to them. I think <laughs> we, uh, the space program will be probably very happy that somebody is doing this, even though I'm sure, I mean, secretly they must think that, well, thank God, I mean, we've been wanting to do this, so here it is. I think it's a great development, and if we can't recognize these new developments, technological developments, and such incredible sort of work, uh, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So are there any lessons for uh, India? Because I don't know how many people take lessons from other countries. But are there no, any no, lessons? They do. They travel a lot to other countries for study tours. Yeah. So are there any lessons that uh, you know can drive change here? Or who is the template that we could look at? Or is there a template at all? It is personality driven. And in my opinion, my sincere opinion, it doesn't matter which government it is. Only the prime minister can be the driver for this, for space. Because other than the fact that, of course, he's the captain of the ship, the fact is that space is directly under his remit. And if there is somebody who can say that this is this whole ecosystem that has grown without any effort on our part, but enough effort to dissuade them, but they still press on, you have to take them on board. We have to have a national policy. Then there will be a national policy. So interestingly, the sectors like you know telecom or airlines or they all have a parallel here, right? Because you have a state entity that was operating almost exclusively, and then you know companies came up, and the state entity had to partial uh, deregulation. Yeah. So. Uh, <clears throat> What are the kind of uh, momentums or what were the key events you think are lessons that the space people can learn from the changes that were made in... So the telecom companies, of course, uh, there was a need, there was already that great dot mission, uh, which uh, when Rajiv Gandhi was prime minister and Mr. Petroda and all this sort of thing. So even Mrs. Gandhi was interested in technology. So there were early shoots, you might say, getting on, and it progressed to a point where actually there was partial deregulation and all these mobile phones came, and then satellite. Uh, I think that this trajectory, the satellite company, I mean, those uh, th that market is not distorted, but the regulations came to be distorted for uh, reasons which were not uh, fair and justified for the others, and that has created today distortions in the market. And we are seeing what is happening. 
with the there's serious difficulties in the telecom sector and some people actually are quite pessimistic and they say they're on the precipice of a collapse this is a sunshine area but still because we allowed those regulations to be skewered in favor of one or the other same thing happened with the airlines you partially deregulated then you had some airlines and when the no frills airlines came this new lot of industries they said no 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 you will have to put these conditions those conditions because they didn't, didn't want a competitor already the market is imbalanced because you have air india and indian airlines so whether it is flying the routes or whether it's doing ground handling air india will always be one out of the three or what's stuff like that these routes will be given only to the national carriers and not to all of those things were happening but now you had your incumbents then the old airlines then the new frill airlines so you kept on skewering and look at the condition of our airlines they've gone down like nine pits i feel appalled actually at people who say that no no we should support them because why you're spoon feeding air india on taxpayers money so you must support um, kingfisher you must support jet why no but what are the really lessons on uh, deregulation for space and how so deregulation for space if we should ever want to learn lessons is exactly this that you have a policy for this sector understand it you have regulations don't rush into a law you have notified regulations you get the regulator you get the skilled people into it and go step by step and why do i say don't rush for law because a regulation if it needs to be tweaked can be tweaked with a amendment and a notification a law in any case takes 5 to 8 to 10 years to it has to go to a parliamentary committee it has to be debated it have, all kinds of things have to be done so do that carefully with the intention that if i've written this today i have written it and i'm absolutely convinced this is right but if tomorrow np comes and says you know this is the difficulty that's causing it i should be flexible to say okay fine maybe we got it wrong this time let's just amend it and see how it works for us it's too sensitive it's too tech centric and it's high risk and high investment sector you can't take risks on it to the extent possible so who writes this uh, regulatory you know framework or who writes who becomes the regulator in the current setup no you'll have to have a separate you cannot our experience india's experience is that the licensor the regulator and the dispute redressal forum has to be separate this is our object lesson from telecom you had dot which was the licensor and it was the your regulator there were shifts and shifts of cases i remember i was briefed in some of them the first round of telecom cases where they said you cannot because you're there's a conflict of interest you're favoring this one that one so on so forth so we got a new regulator so that became the trai now trai is also listing to dispute they said no another round of cases so we got the tdsat and the appeal from tdsat that's a dispute resolution made presided by a judge of the supreme court is to the supreme court our experience is we are not objective people <laughs> we are unable to function objectively so you have to see this evolution of possibly the same kind of you don't want this evolution it is it wastes energy it wastes money it wastes the effort and it is absolutely not fair on anybody 
you can't take these uh, small perspective and say, you know, I like his face today, so let me just do this for him. No, no. You objectivity is the, <laughs> the thumb rule here. So for any of these uh, changes to happen, um, you know, uh, currently the, uh, the overwhelming body looking at all of this is the Space uh, Commission. Yes. And uh, below that is the, the, whatever, the Department of Space and then uh, the I ISRO uh, in there. And the current way the whole thing is structured is in a way that the Secretary of the Department of Space is also the Chairman of the Space Commission, is also the Chairman of ISRO. So it's almost as if the... I'm the boss who reports to the boss who's who I am, and then my boss is again me. So it's like three and levels. And then your boss thereafter is the prime minister. Yeah. So, is you know that is something that needs to be then addressed. Well, uh, yes, it needs to be addressed. Uh, it does. Of course, now we also have people from the finance ministry and MEA and so on who are members of the space commission. But you know, space, um, firstly, it's such a vital. It has gone through challenges, and, and the country has faced up. This ISRO has stood its ground and it's faced, it, taken it on the chin and got on with the job, and that's fantastic. I mean, we're all proud of it. But anything in this nature, whatever I'm saying, is not an attack on ISRO. Nobody's saying away with ISRO. We cannot do without ISRO. There's no question about it. But it should be taken in the spirit that there is there a point we are missing over here. And therefore, the inputs have to be for the country and not country today. It's a country for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years and beyond those 50 years. That's what you want. I'm saddened that uh, this moment hasn't come as yet. So, in the larger context, do you think the the public cares? Because normally, you know, what happens is when uh, institution, like for example, even NASA, for that matter, right, when there was the peak of the Apollo era and astronauts were being sent and everything, you know, the institution captures the public imagination, right? And in, in India's case, now the institution has caught the public imagination like now never before, and uh, so I guess you know. The public doesn't care enough. No, for it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not concerned with it in their everyday life. How should be? Firstly, they will have to spend so much time to understand what the story is. Of course not. The public is not concerned. It yeah. is the government's job to be concerned. Yeah, in some sense, I guess you know that uh, is one of the things that makes everything slow. I would say, right? Because what? you know this public imagination. Because uh, you know the when you have to yes, fly, yes, it becomes a political issue. It becomes an emotive issue. All of that. Yeah, and even convenience. Because you know when you look at uh, telecom or aviation or whatever other sectors, if I can't fly anywhere because there's not not options anywhere, or if I can't get internet access or call someone because you know the state is the only provider and I'm in line to do things, you know that uh, citizen is directly affected yes. in that sense. So this space is remote. Yeah, and so the so the nature of space being uh, you know always hidden to the citizen directly. Yes, that makes it very hard for any um, grassroots level initiative to yes. you know get citizen support so efficiently. You know, properly educated people also when they were talking to me about space when the Chandrayaan first went. Then there was a counter-narrative, but why do we need this? We have so much poverty, we have so much this. We all sitting in front of a television watching a TV show. So I said, then you switch this thing off, you won't have it. Why? 
It's because it's satellite telecommunication. He said, oh, is that so? But you don't think of it actively because it's just so far away. Yeah. You sign up with a company and you get your TV channel. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, fantastic because uh, I was here in India during the time of the Chandrayaan 2 launch and that was the only thing that I ever saw there, you know, every news channel in the country Actually, running something on space yes, and absolutely. the public, you know, yes, staying up late in the night. Yes, to watch it. Yeah. It's become very savvy and aware, I must I tell you. I was personally there at the launch site itself at 2 a.m. And it was sort of an achievement to be able to say, I was there. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, and we've come a long way in public awareness. It was very much surprising to see people all uh, all all age categories and uh, even people who are physically challenged were also there. Yes, yes. So that just goes to show how much love people actually. The minute you see cartoon films for children now with baby astronauts and all this, you know you've arrived. Yes. <laughs> so well, you know, what gives you? hope and uh, you know what makes you despair i guess you know this is what keeps <laughs> what gives me hope is that i am generally a, a person with a positive attitude and i do believe that this will happen it has to happen i want it to happen maybe that's why i believe it will happen but i'm deeply disappointed that after Everybody one meets and speaks to, all agree. Bureaucracy is brilliant and wonderful. What happens when they get into their offices, I cannot say. <laughs> Every one of the people that you have invited, I have at different seminars, the important government, every one of them has agreed. That's it. I mean, with that uh, bleak note, <laughs> I would... It is bleak. <laughs> it is a little bleak. And I feel sorrier because a large number of you and your friends who kept in touch with me, come and see me, have one after the other said, ma'am, I'm going. And that is what that is what saddens me most. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, the most companies will probably plan to have a, some sort of a, you know, structure where they would just use India as a base for operations or, you know, just yeah. to create the foundation and use it for the manpower base and yeah. low cost yeah. nature and have, you know, foreign entities Absolutely. where. Absolutely. So there will still be the backroom boys. Yeah, I guess that's where, you know, uh, maybe also the e-commerce sector did in, uh, in certain ways where they moved headquarters to, I don't know, like Swiss, uh, to Singapore or some other place. So because of the lack of the government regulation yes, in that yes, sense. Yes, yes, so yes. I think that might happen very much in space. And yes, it certainly looks like. Yeah. And maybe that's how is the natural transition of government realizing that it's losing on an opportunity. Well, you know, the old story of the Swami who got uh, accolades in the United States and then he was accepted when he came back. <laughs> 